welcome to episode 13, lucky number 13 of Chew On This or Nerds United Podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. All right, dude, first of all, before I go, if we go anywhere, we got to talk about uh, what dropped today this morning, uh, the Captain America Civil War trailer. Yeah, that was um, that was one hell of a trailer, and I don't even know where to start with what we saw. Um. Well, first of all, boy, to go Marvel. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, every everything that DC's been trying to do with Batman v Superman, it, it's complete, utter turd compared to what Marvel's been doing with Captain America. Yeah, as, as um, good as uh, as good as that last trailer was that DC dropped um, with Batman, you know, fighting like Batman that we've seen in everything but the movies. Mm-hmm. I mean that. The, that whole fight scene with Batman in the beginning of that last trailer reminds me of uh, the video games that are out now, the Arkham series, and but of course it also reminds me of uh, Batman the animated series, one of the best cartoons ever. Yeah, absolutely. But um, even, but even like I don't know, maybe it's because I, I know we're really negative about Man of Steel and the whole Zack Snyder DC thing on the podcast, but I'm wondering if uh, not only does Marvel make better movies, but I, I'm wondering it's taken what 13 Marvel movies mm-hmm. or whatever it is to get to here. Almost man. It's like what 10 years to get to this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's take, well, when did, uh, almost like eight years. Cause Iron Man came out in 2008. Right. But still, I mean, what I can't believe is that they can still, make us excited 13 movies in <laughs> I um it just I mean the, the first trailer you know it's that it was that last shot of the three people fighting and then um you know Iron Man Bucky and uh and Captain America and in this one spoiler alert if you haven't watched the uh Civil War trailer to pause this and go watch it because it's two and a half minutes of pure joy um, but the last few seconds, that shot of Spider-Man was just, it, it, I was already having the chills watching that trailer, but when that happened, I like, I gasped for air. I was like, you know, really like taken aback because of the suit and because the, the eye blinked, um, I, I was, I was just like so happy. The, the, um... The Spider-Man thing was the big thing. I, there was rumors before this trailer dropped. What's funny, I was actually reading the rumors when this trailer dropped. Um, but the rumors were that there was supposed to be Spider-Man all over this trailer. And they basically waited till the very end to just give you a glimpse. And it made perfect sense to do what they did with the eyes and leave it to Marvel to figure out how to get the eyes to show any kind of expression. Oh my it looked gosh. like they were like, they, it almost looked like they were like electronic goggles so that he could focus and unfocus. But it, it gave his whole, his face a whole new expression because none of the movies were ever able to accomplish that with what they were trying to do with the Oakley sunglasses and things like that. Never no, able they to had to expression. keep, um, they kept pulling their masks off all the time. Yes. Yes. So really annoying. Um, now um, you don't really have to do that. I mean, Deadpool did a perfect job too, as well. 
Um, but well, they didn't. They didn't really explain how his eyes did what they did in that movie. But, yeah, but that's it, it, didn't true. Really, it didn't really matter to me. But I guess in the in the Marvel in that Marvel universe, it has to make sense, and it made perfect sense because when I saw it, I was like, "Wait a minute! Did he just did he just make a face like you only see in the comics?" In the oh cartoons? my gosh! And then I rewound and, it a few times, and I was like, "Oh my god, those are goggles or something." I, I'm wondering. Well, now it leads me to believe that Tony Stark did have something to do with that. Well, um, I know I, I'm. I'm guessing. Um, uh, we're going to end up talking an hour about this trailer if we don't start moving. On. I know. I know. We, we'll, we'll <laughs> well, move on really, soon. really quick. Like the movie has nothing really to do with with the comic books, other than pitting superhero versus superheroes and Tony Stark on one side and and Steve Rogers on the other. Um, because what 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 the catalyst for this movie is is not what happens in the comic books. It's actually worse. Uh, what right. happens in the comic books? I mean, so anyway. But regardless, <laughs> that trailer was ridiculous, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do: have everybody talking about that instead of Batman v Superman. Right. Two weeks before Batman v Superman, they dropped this trailer, and it's just like Batman. What? what and what, they released. What are we talking and about? they released okay. the tickets today. Oh, for Civil War. Yeah. Oh gosh! Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's so they dropped oh the my trailer gosh. and then they then they released the trailer. I mean, I'm sorry, they released the tickets. You know, the movie's gonna make like 200 million. It it, it can't it can't fail. It, it's gonna do ridiculous business, and I have a feeling Batman v Superman is is not gonna do that kind of. The predictions for clear. Batman v Superman are are under Deadpool's Deadpool, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which that's Deadpool hit a milestone mark too. It's now the the highest uh, rated R movie and the highest um, X Men movie. It's actually w- way over X Men, actually. Oh yeah. Um, but but uh, yeah, I, I digress. But anyway, you know, Marvel is killing it. You know, they uh, Disney's killing it. They own all the properties now. You know, they own Marvel and they own um, what else do they own? Everything. Uh, Lucasfilm, um, you know, the new uh, Star Wars movie, you know, beyond and above Marvel, the Star Wars movies, I think they're going to be making them for the next like 10 years or something like that. They yeah, said they, they said they're like planning 10 in a, um, 10 in a row. That's just, that's just crazy. Row, 10 a, once, once a year for 10 years so far. That's crazy, man. That's just, that's insanity. I mean, I, they got to be like a monopoly or something. <laughs> they got to get sued. <laughs> but, um, well, I mean, so the purpose of this podcast, we were talking the other day about um, The Force Awakens and how they hired the right director to resurrect that uh, franchise uh, back to its former glory. And um, they hired J.J. Uh, Abrams to do it, which I've been a huge fan of his since – I did, I've been a huge fan of his since I didn't even know who he was. Like, I didn't know he wrote um, regarding Henry. And I didn't know that um, he created Felicity. You know, I didn't, I didn't know those things. I didn't really start following him until um, Alias, you okay. know, came I don't about. Think I, I don't, I've never watched an episode of Alias. Oh, wow. It, you got to Netflix that shit. It's, it's, it's pretty strong. And you'll fall in love with Jennifer Garner. She's huh. she's pretty – yeah, she was a good – it was kind of like, you know, do you remember that, that show Dark Angel with when Jessica Alba first came on the scene? Yes, yeah. That's a James Cameron. Yeah. 
Yeah, James Cameron's series. Well, that that series failed miserably in its second season. Um, but Alias uh, just it got better and better. And then when it when you just thought that it was just going to be another crappy series because it started to go downhill a little bit, they totally did this like crazy ending of this one season where they fast forward a few years, or whatever. And that like that, I think that's one of the first times they ever did that. Um, where they just like fast forward a few years and, and then it rejuvenated the series again. And they just kept doing really cool stuff like that. Um, but uh, did you ever, you saw um, uh, regarding Henry, right? Oh yeah. That's a great movie. And I had no idea that he was the one who wrote the screenplay and he did it in college too. Yeah, that's right. Well, he wrote um, "Taking Care of Business." I think was the first movie, which which is like a Belushi movie. Right. I um, think he was. Uh, uh, I don't the know. The one that's was, alive. <laughs> well, <laughs> the I don't think he. Uh, I don't know if it was an original screenplay, like regarding Henry was. Yeah, I, I know regarding Henry was, and then I didn't know, but he also wrote "Forever Young" with uh, Mel Gibson. Right. I didn't know uh, that either. Which is another. Which is another pretty pretty cool movie. Um, very like uh Spielbergian too. I, I know I always mention Spielberg because I think he's one of his um idols actually. Yeah. Um, but Forever Young really reminded me of like um that movie Always that Spielberg did years ago with Richard Dreyfuss and right, right. I remember that one. John Goodman. Yeah, really good. That's a good good flick too. Crap. Um, What's crazy is that the those movies that he you know wrote screen screenplays for and and you know, started getting a name for himself are so far from anything he's done in the last, uh, what, five, six, seven years. Yeah. He's really like went to like, um, the kind of like how M night always does like supernatural stuff. JJ kind of does like, um, sci-fi and yeah, sci-fi fantasy. And he's pretty, he's pretty good at it for the most part. Um, you know, his uh, directorial debut, though, um, was Mission Impossible 3, which I think he wrote the script as well, if I right. remember right. Um, and that rejuvenated that series because I thought the second one was terrible. It was just well, so bizarre. He is, known as the, uh, he is known as the sequel guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just – well, he's also known as put together a team guy, like alias – what I loved about that show is, again, it was the the team aspect of it. And in the second Mission Impossible, it was like Tom Cruise, like, through the whole thing. Like, oh, it was oversaturation, and it was over, like, it felt like a big ego movie or something. And then when he made the third one, it was all about the team again. You know, like, right. he brought in Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg and, you know. And then the, I think the bad guy was uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, God rest his soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he was an awesome bad guy in that. Um, he was. He was really good. But uh, he's just really good. JJ's really good at making, uh, creating, like, really interesting stories. And, and again, like, really good at ensemble pieces. He's and really, really good. He's really good at with with playing with somebody else's toys. Like, I mean, he's, Yeah, that's true. He's, that's true. He's he's really good at saying, man, that's that, I love that stuff. You know, I really loved it. I bet you I can make it better. Or I can fix it for you. And yeah, absolutely. I know he, like I know he's he a fanboy. I know he doesn't like that, but but you know, of course, what he did with Star Wars. But before that, you know, Mission Impossible, rejuvenating that a little bit after one bad movie, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, which I didn't really mind too much because I'm a big John Woo fan, but yeah, me um, too. But um, you know, he did it with Mission Impossible, and then he did it with uh, Star Trek. And yeah. basically, I know, like, I, I, I think there's like fifty to forty percent uh, Star Trek fans that didn't like the reboot of Star Trek. But mm-hmm. I liked it, and I've told you before in the past that I loved it because it wasn't Star Trek; it was Star Wars. <laughs> like he basically totally, took totally. he basically took all of the Star Trek characters, uh, you know, updated them, then did this interesting reboot um, of just retelling all of the history, and then adding a little tiny bit of sci-fi with that time, you know, with the time jumping and all that stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. the rest of it is straight action comedy. Uh, not not like you know slapstick comedy, but like you know those perfect timing comedies, which you know um, you know Star Wars is known for having a little uh, fun here and there, and their movies. And I mean, he made he made a Star Wars movie from Star Trek. Yeah, and that I really um, was so skeptical going into that movie because how dare you recast everyone in right. these iconic roles? I think everybody did is <laughs> really good in that. It, I think the weakest person is probably uh, uh crap. I can't remember her name. Uh, uh well, the she's a, the yeah. I think her. Yeah, I think her. Not the actress. I just thought the character was kind of weak in that. Wasn't that great? Yeah. Well, they they kind of beefed her character up a little bit because Ahura was um, didn't really do anything. Didn't really do a lot. So I don't know. But you know, I kind of I can go either way on that. I I thought. I I love uh, that actress. She's she's in a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, she's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, but and I just didn't Avatar buy her. And, yeah, I didn't buy you know I didn't buy that uh, as much as the other characters or the other. What actors. about the what about the twist of her and Spock? Kind of that was pretty cool, and and I think the second movie suffers from a lot of those things where they take a lot of little twists that you know she does more than just repeat what the computer's repeating you know so they right. really blew out her character and you know um you had to see a young kirk um not as poised as the older kirk um but oh yeah i, I liked the little twist that kind of turned things upside down a little bit so with spock and her it was it was cool but i thought the sequel suffered tremendously from trying to capture those moments and and turning them upside down uh you know obviously the most famous part is um the death of Spock in the second movie, but, you know, which they, is so heartbreaking. It still holds it's so up. Awesome. Still holds up. And, Absolutely. And you know, in the the JJ version, it's it's uh, Kirk that's about to die. He doesn't actually really die though, like in the in the other one where well, Spock you actually see it does coming. kick him. Yeah, you, you see it coming from twenty miles away. What's going to happen? And, yeah, and and it was it, bad. It didn't. It didn't have any impact at all. Like when it happened, I was like, "All right, you know, there he he'll be back. It's not a big deal." <laughs> but like in Wrath of Khan, I was like, "Holy shit! They killed Spock!" Yeah, you know, they fucking killed him. Well, nobody um, would ever. Nobody was ever really in that kind of serious danger in the TV show. It was always the guy with the red shirt, <laughs> which they totally paid homage to in the first Star Trek movie, the reboot. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. When it was awesome, down. such an awesome scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember when he put that red shirt on, I just giggled. I'm just like, uh-oh. 
<laughs> that guy's yeah. gonna get it. And he had a horrible death. <laughs> yeah, it just gets shot or something by some like nomad he, or some alien race he never met. I mean, his death was really bad. Yeah, he burned it, burned in, in the fire. You know, it was, it was horrible. But um, no, I thought that, that whole cast is pretty strong. And I and I thought the first Enterprise or the first Star Trek reboot was pretty good, uh, solid. And I heard like. Um, he had to postpone it like six months or something like that, which anytime he seems to do that, the movie ends up being better. So like when Star Trek in the darkness came out, it, it suffered a lot. I think they just wanted him to get that sucker out as quickly as he could. And I think he made super eight in between, but when Star Trek in the darkness came out, I just, it had a weird feel to it. And then, and then that whole thing of like trying to keep, um, con quiet, try to keep that storyline quiet, which it just pissed people off. They're just like, just, you know what they were trying to keep it like secret. And of course it came out and then they kept denying it, whatever, like, no, whatever. And then the movie came out and it's con and everyone like, see, I told, you know, they're like, see, you know, why did you keep it such a big secret? You know? And, um, yeah, it was just kind of weird. And the storytelling on that one wasn't as good. And I think he's even come out and said that, that movie had some bad story elements that, that didn't work, that they should have took more time and, and ironed out. So, um, but, uh, he also produces a lot of stuff like, you know, didn't he, pr- he produced lost and, uh, well, then he, he might be lost though. I th- well, I think him and Damon Lindelof and a couple other people created it. I, I was listening to a podcast, um, with JJ Abrams on it. And he was saying that, um, or no, wait, it was Damon Lindelof they had on, sorry. And they were, um, he was saying that, um, survivor at the time was a big, uh, show. And so the executives say, we want to make a show where people are trying to survive or something. And so like they ended up creating lost out of that, you know, because every time someone tried to do something, it kept failing and right. they gave it to them and they came up with the idea of like, you know, the polar bear and the smoke monster and all that shit, you know, and, and they, they produced the first pilot months ahead of time. I remember watching it like in April or, you know, something like that months before it came on, I downloaded it and watched it and I was so riveted and I'm like, crap, I have to wait five months for this thing to come out. Yeah, and it took you off, know. you know, it was a, it took off. I mean, that show has yeah. more. I mean, it sucked you in. me off. Sucked you in yeah. the first season or the first episode. It sucked me in. Yeah, Little that show pissed know, me off more than the X Files. So pissed off, like when the movie, when the show was done. It was one of the well, worst. Yeah, it was one of the worst, like, um, series finales for me, anyway. Yeah, I was right up there with Seinfeld being like one of the worst. Dexter's but, um, was pretty bad too. Yeah. But um, he's, you know, he's a really good storyteller, but I think you and I were talking the other day about how certain um, filmmakers like him um, start really strong. The movie starts strong and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And then the ending kind of lets you down a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we were talking, we were trying to figure out like, cause I thought he had a lot more um, directing jobs and he hasn't had yeah. as many. He hasn't had as many directing jobs as you think as somebody as big as his name was. 
or is. Right. He, he has it. And, and original stuff. Like he, I think no. Super 8 is, is really his truly own original that he wrote and directed. Right. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's the movie that, that I actually just finished watching for this podcast. And, and, and I got to say, like, I got to say, it, I, I, yeah. I've only watched it once and it was in a the theater and I was, I came out thinking it wasn't that great. And then I finished watching it tonight, and you know what? It, it's really good the second time around. Like, yeah, really good. Because I started paying up. attention to, like, all the nuances in the storytelling and what he was doing. And let me just first say this, that this is probably what E.T. would have looked like if it was done now today. Because yeah. that, that movie is, I don't know what, it was maybe, like, an homage to to E.T., but there's, like, all these little things in the movie that reminded me of E.T. to the military guys of how he filmed this one scene where they were coming down the street. Even the music, I don't know, I I didn't look up who did the music, but there's certain, not keys, but there's certain tones in the movie, like when the military comes, I'm I'm hearing this music in Super 8, and it it doesn't touch um, what John Williams did in E.T., but there's this tone that is almost identical uh, to what ET was he, playing. I, so I, I venture to say I think you're right. I think he did pay homage to ET, and it, he was even I think uh, set in the 1970, 1978 or nineteen seventy nine is yeah, when that movie is set in. Yeah, and ET I think came out like in eighty two or something like that. So it's pretty close, right? Um, and but uh, but again, like watching it the second time, I don't know why watching it the second time mattered. But when I was paying attention to, I mean, not that I wasn't paying attention the first time, but, you know, I was, I already knew what was going to happen. So I, you know, paid attention to things outside of just, you know, being in the theater and watching a movie. And yeah, it, it played a lot better the second time. What did you think? I mean, um, you've, seen, I it, you've it, seen it more than me. Well, I've, this is probably my third time seeing it. And like, the, I remember the first time I watched it, I kind of came out of there a little disappointed. And I think it's because that you know the buildup was so good and then the the just the weird ending you know underground with the creature running around and and then the creature looked kind of fake honestly when they they zoomed in on it which i hate that because you know when he produced cloverfield the same kind of thing happened um and i don't know if he had a hand in writing that but it kind of did the same thing it like had this massive buildup and then the ending just kind of fell flat um but but seeing it anyway, I saw Super Eight for the third time recently, and I caught a lot of those nuances nuances that you talked about. A right. lot of the same beats. There's a lot of the same beats as ET. Um, obviously, there's a couple things that are that are different. You know, ET was a loving, you know, plant loving <laughs> right. creature an, and all that stuff. People. And this, yeah, this other creature was just being held against its will, and it was trying to go home. You know, um, the same as ET is trying to go home, but he's like you know um he eats people (laughs) (laughs) yeah like he's like he's like i need need food yeah they they show that he was made that way because in the beginning um he wasn't like that and you and you get that from the uh the doctor the teacher's commentary when they're watching the film when they break into the school Um, yeah so but those were the little things that i guess i didn't either pay attention to or care for because it i you know i i I don't know. I just maybe I'm just a better like film watcher now, or pay attention to more stuff. But mm-hmm. it it really 
see, and, and and this is this is maybe my mind twisting the actual truth of it because I I could have swore like this movie was like in the sixties or seventies on Rotten Tomato. So when I was yeah. done, so when I was done tonight with it, I was like, you know, I wonder what I was like. Wow, that's a lot better than I thought it was uh, before. And I went to look up the Rotten Tomatoes, and it was actually at eighty two percent. Okay. So, which is uh, weird that my know, mind played that trick on me, and I could I could picture eighty two percent watching this movie the second time around. I, I believe that. I you know what really hit me when I first watched it was um, Goonies was uh, et right. i can see that um because of the kids you know right. and and they're talking over each other and they're and they're pretty realistic you know they're not they don't feel like they're acting they feel like they've all known each other they're friends and it was it just seemed kind of natural you know watching these kids do their thing and um the other thing that i really liked was the whole filmmaking thing um i know that spielberg That's, and jj i yeah, think when they were right, kids exactly. they, yep. they would film stuff um, I filmed stuff when I was a kid. I filmed little home movies. And so I just, I, I really connected with a lot of those things. The one thing I didn't connect with um, was the, um, the which I think propels the story a little bit is the death of the mother. You know, I know they kept kind of, that felt like it borrowed from Signs a little bit. You know, the movie Signs? The yeah, M-Night but movie. was Signs before or after this? I think it was before, right? A signs came out. Yeah, at least several years. Well, Super 8 came out in 2011. I think Science yeah. came out back in 2003 or two or somewhere around there. Right. Um, but it really felt that was the one thing that really stuck out where I was like, I didn't really connect with that as much as I did with, because I think they did it better in Science, to be honest. Um, really? Well, I thought so because, because, um, there was kind of a buildup on that too. You knew there was something, you knew that something bad had happened to her, but they never really said what. And then at the, but they kept showing you little snippets. Right, and then at right. the very, at the very end, they flashbacked and showed exactly what happened to her. And it was awful, but it made sense to that character and how he changed at the end. What he, you know, he kind of got through it because, right. because for years he, he wasn't, just living his life anymore. He was, you know, not doing, he wasn't, he lost his faith. And so I, I really dug it, but in this movie, it just kind of like, you know, yeah, she went to work and because the guy was drunk. And so she ended up taking his place and she gets killed in the, in an accident. And it just, I, for whatever reason, it didn't have the same impact as science did for me. So it, mm. it kind of like I didn't right. like. I, I could see that for that one part. Yeah. I could see it for that one part, but I thought the kids and what they were going through when you didn't see the alien in both cases worked out better than in Signs. Yeah, well, that I that I agree. Like with. all the other stuff outside of that buildup to the wife being pinned, um, I can agree with that. But everything else, but that was such a small part of it. Yeah, they flip they flip flopped because because the the ending of Signs is a wet fart too, even worse than than Super Eight. Yeah, because yeah. that that I mean the buildup on that is ridiculous. Um, and then at the very end, you know, swing your bat <laughs> at him. What what the no, fuck? It was, it was the you water. Know, throw some water at it. Yeah, throw some water at it and beat it with a bat. Um, it's like welcome to <laughs> welcome to Earth. Um, but Super Eight, you know, does does the other thing better, you know, the buildup with the alien, but you know, again, it's, it's definitely, um, 
I don't know, it kind of felt like it had some men in black in it too. It just, <laughs> it's the, the creature itself, you know? Well, here's the problem I have with the creature, and I kept thinking about this the whole time. And I know he didn't direct this other movie, but um, it really reminded me of the, the, the big monster in Cloverfield. And it, I'm guessing it's the same special effects team, but like, what mm-hmm. is it with him and aliens with multiple arms? I don't know. And weird, like this thing, like breathed through its face too. It was weird. Like, yeah, it was like, up and stuff like that. Yeah. It was like a little bit of like the vampires and like blade. Yeah. 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 And, um, I think the Cloverfield one, like it had like a sack on the, its face or something like that on the side of its face. Yeah. It had a little bit of that predator was like in it or something. Yeah. It was, it was very strange. Like that movie, I think played more like a Godzilla monster movie kind of thing. Right. Um, but the, the thing this had one, multiple arms or something. It was like and it, it hunched over when it walked or something. Yeah. Sort of it, well, it re, see, you haven't played that game Half-Life, but it reminded me of like these um, – there's these creatures in Half-Life that stand really, really super tall like that. And they just like run around and trash stuff. But they they shoot actually. But, hmm. you know, this thing doesn't shoot. But I did – what I liked, did like about Cloverfield, it wasn't just like a, a – monster running around crushing buildings it had like its offspring would like come off of it and run around and like right, the little mini you, monsters yeah yeah you'd you'd explode <laughs> um that was kind of nuts um but uh no you know super eight it, it was it was pretty decent storytelling it did borrow a lot from other other movies and stuff like that but you know everyone does that um and i just thought that you know a mishmash of all those movies that he did ended up creating something that I thought, you know, was, you know, somewhat original and, um, and some of those kids, you know, really made me laugh and made me think about my childhood friends and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, definitely made me think of the Goonies, you know, it just brought me right back to the Goonies. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what I liked is that it was really about the kids, you know, making this horror movie and it just happened to be like this horrific thing happening on the outside, you know, while, while they're doing right. their thing, you know, and I, I just, I, I did dig that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then they had a little kind of love story in the middle of it. And, um, but did you know that that's Dakota Fanning's younger sister? I didn't until tonight when I looked it up. <laughs> oh, Okay. Yeah, I did, I I figured that out like well, I mean after the movie came out, I was like, yeah, she looks familiar. But um speaking of which, I haven't seen Dakota Fanning in like ages, but yeah, she hasn't um, been in a while. Yeah, she hasn't really been anything for a while except like Twilight or something like that. That's horrible. Um <laughs> bad career choice. Yeah, um, that's why she hasn't done anything since then. What well, what I'm curious now is what I mean after Force Awakens, how do you follow up that? Like, what do you? I wonder what he's going to be working on next. You know, I it seems like um, he makes you know makes a big studio pick and then he goes and does something personal, kind of thing. Well, so one of his interviews, he was saying that he wanted to do something that he did that he wanted to do as himself because he was he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to be the sequel guy. Even though he's done like three, um, <laughs> three of them. Well, four of them actually, if you count Star Trek. Twice. Yeah, yeah, he's done. Which really blew my mind. I remember when you and I were kind of looking him up on IMDb. We're just like, 
oh wow he didn't really make a lot of original stuff like i think super yeah. eight's the only, he, the only he's thing. done almost as much tv as original movie stuff that he's directed yeah yeah and even then he just like starts a project and then he takes off and does something else so like right he, he directed the first episode of i think lost and alias and then just kind of let someone else handle it, the day by day kind of stuff. I um, heard something. I heard something the other day about Lost. I think it was on a podcast where they said that the the writers only thought they were going to be on on TV for maybe three seasons. Yeah, and then two or three seasons, and then they the studios kept wanting them to do more and more, and you can feel the stories just stretching like crazy. Yes. Um, well, especially think when about, they, think the about all the season. things that they went through. I mean, on that Island, right. And the whole time <laughs> it was only Jack holding himself back. Every single one well, of those people had died on the plane. Right. Oh yeah. So something like that. Yeah. But what I don't understand is. So. I mean, his dad was on the plane, so it makes sense that his dad would greet him at the end when he was ready. But he didn't know any yeah. of those other people. He didn't no. know any of those other people. And then when they meet each other in, I guess, heaven or where the fuck they were going, they all knew each other. So what? who was he having these trials Dude, through? Dude, listen, listen, we could we could talk about this for years. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think they know, honestly, like... I just, I just, I probably won't ever, ever go back and watch that series again. I think no, one time never. through was enough for me, but it, I had to give up. I think after two years of finishing that show, I had to give up trying to, con trying to figure it out because it just pisses me off. It just makes me angry when I start thinking about the, because the last few episodes were just way out there, like just completely bad shit crazy what are they doing i don't understand this crap um i couldn't even tell you what it is anymore because i've yeah. totally erased it out of my memory i just don't i don't care anymore but i at the, i think at that point i just wanted to finish the show i'm just like oh my god okay 10 episodes left i gotta finish this and and then once it was done i just didn't try to think about it anymore but um that first couple seasons was strong i mean the damn hatch <laughs> like for like one whole summer, I was like, "What the fuck is in that hatch?" You know, and 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 then like you know, the second season came and went, and I think by the end of the third season, I was like, "You know what? I think I'm done with this show." And then they pull this shit where they 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 did a flash forward instead of a flashback. Yeah, and then I was like, I was like, "Oh shit, you assholes!" You know, suck me back in again. You know? <laughs> and they actually got off the island at one point. They were off the island for quite a while. You know, technically they were never off the island. Well, of course, yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> but still, you know, they tried to make you believe all that shit. And I don't know that. I, I guess they did what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be thought provoking and try to piss you off and make you keep watching to find out what happens. And I mean, they went. I don't think they I watched it. that last season. I don't think I watched the last season. And if I did, I was playing it back on my DVR while I was doing something else. I, I had him. We binge watched it, you know, and I, I again, I couldn't tell you what happened in, in the back half more than me neither. I could tell you, I could tell you what happened in the first season. No problem. Cause that really stuck out big time. Um, the stories were fantastic in that, in that season. Um, I think the latter seasons ruined the first few seasons for me, especially the first season. Yeah. It's kind of like the matrix yeah. reloaded and revolutions ruined the matrix. Oh my God. I, Oh, don't get me started. I know. 
you know they could easily go back and do another matrix movie but i just i don't see why they would but no that that first movie is is pretty perfect it's perfect the way it is yeah it almost seemed like you know it was a bigger hit than they thought it would be and then they're just like make more like uh all right i guess um yeah well the second and third movie are the 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 first movie feels like it was made but from someone else like right. it, there's character development there's you know there's there's good plot points there you know the plot moves smoothly there's smart well, di- it, there's smart dialogue without overly stating a fact and in the in the reloaded and in the revolutions version uh movies it's the exact opposite it's it's terrible dialogue um too it, flashy too expensive Right, like, and it felt it, like the, I felt like when they give you a small budget, you have to really constrict yourself and really like think out of the box and all that shit. Yeah, I mean the the last the last thirty minutes of Revolutions is basically an entire green screen. Yeah, and they said someone said that the entire that entire ending was worth like fifty to sixty million dollars. I think of the budget was just the last part of that movie where they're just shoot you know the little yeah. war at the end um that is crazy that's more than what most movies cost just that little piece yeah it's um, almost what dirt uh deadpool cost yeah deadpool costs 58 million total and and I, I heard like when they make the second one they're like we could pretty much do that on that budget too so i think a lot of the people took cuts like i think the director they said the director only made 500 grand and did they said, you, I think uh, Ryan, Re- did Ryan you, Reynolds only made like two million. Did you see that? How it should have ended. That, uh, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> In the beginning of the part of it, he's like, "It's like who told you to put a giant explosion, like major mo- mo- motion, like major superhero explosion in my movie?" <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about that. We were like, the ending with the giant explosion was just so out of it. It, it was it. it was really out of place, and I kept thinking to myself, "That looks like a helicarrier." And and people were like, "Yeah, it's a helicarrier." Then no, we can't say it's a helicarrier because well, they, the director we don't came own out that. This last week said it wasn't uh, wasn't a helicarrier. Yeah, yeah, it, and I went. You know, I think I've, you know, so when I sit and think about it, it just looked like an aircraft carrier. Well, he did know, make a good point. Time. He he did make a good point that other people in in the Marvel universe use helicarriers, but. I mean, why yeah. would you put something that resembles something so major from another studio? Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you're right. That ending was really out of place compared to the rest of it. But yeah. but you kind of you kind of, you know, you can kind of just say like, well, that's just nitpicking because the movie's awesome, so it's like whatever. Yeah. But 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 they need to, you know, kind of be aware of that in the next one. I think they were just trying to create something like some grand ending and they really didn't need to do that. No, it didn't need to be an ending. You could have just the last 20 minutes of the movie could have been Deadpool fighting up like a a tower, like in dread or Punisher or, um, that would be awesome. Game of death. Yeah. And that works every fucking time. It's weird. I, I loved it in judge dread. It was awesome. Um, I hope they make another one of those. That that was such a trippy movie. Yeah, I mean, was, I th- it was okay because um, it almost was like a ripoff of uh, this. Uh, the raid. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, who those guys are? Yeah, Star Wars. Actually. I just I I find it interesting. A lot of people are just like saying this notion of like rated R superhero movies is like this new thing, but it's been around for a long time. 
There's a lot of superhero movies that are rated R. It's just that this particular one hit so hard because uh, of the of the nature of the character and all right. that stuff. But there's tons of rated R, you know, superhero. Yeah, a lot movies. of people forget about Blade, the first one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Blade. Um, I mean, because uh, if you think about introducing a character like Blade, I mean, he didn't do a lot of acting in the movie, but that's a pretty. That's a really good uh, origin superhero movie. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I didn't loved, like the whole. I, I didn't like the whole Stephen Dorff ending. Yeah, where like he is like the blood god. That was kind of lame. But the, the blood god, really yeah. You can, again, like you can kind of ignore that a little bit because the rest of the movie is so strong. Like the yeah. the, the opening sequence is alone is worth the the ticket. Oh it's yeah, so definitely. fucking good. Yeah. Uh, um, who filmed but that? Yeah, first there's one? been. A, there's been a ton of rated R movies. I, I don't, I don't like the fact that you know. I think we talked about Batman v Superman being rated R on the on the Blu-ray, well, on the Blu-ray or whatever, which it just makes no sense. Like, why would you? When has there ever been a Superman, let alone a Batman movie? That's you know, I was thinking R? about this, and and I read it online, and it made total sense because we've already seen it in the trailers, and I just didn't put two and two together. So my the guess is. Is that uh, online? Is that the rated R version? Is you're going to see the death of Jason Todd. You're going to see. Oh, you're going to see him being beat the shit by the yeah, Joker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. I I would much rather see a rated R animated version of that story versus they've they've done it do, before. What's DC that? makes yeah, it's out on D, it's a few years old. Uh, DC did it. Oh, of course. Oh, uh, it's an, all their animated stuff is perfect. I I love all their animated. It's movies. so fantastic. Yeah. I all their animated about stuff that. is per- way better than Marvel stuff. I mean, X-Men yeah, was it good. is. X Men was good, but it's, it was a little cheesy if you look back on it. But if you go back and watch Batman the animated series, you can't get much better than that. <sighs> Dude, they have a uh, the Batman animated series uh, characters now, like full on action figures. They're so yeah. badass. Um. Yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. But I just, you know, all this, um, just the marketing of that movie has just been terrible. Like, I mean, it, it's such a fumble, you know, um, compared to what Marvel's doing and what they did with Star Wars and all that stuff. I think Disney's just doing a really bang up job, um, keeping that stuff relevant, keeping it fresh, not oversaturated. They know what they have. They don't have to wave their big dick around or anything. They just, just, you know, everyone's just excited to see the movie. And I just feel that that Batman V Superman are trying really, really hard to get yeah. you to go to see their movie when they don't really need to, they didn't need to do that. Um, is there, is there any so, rumor? Is there any rumor to, is JJ signed on to Disney stuff or he was just signed on for star Wars? I think they just signed him on for star Wars, but I wouldn't be surprised if they ever hired him back to do something for them because so his next you know, movie, his next movie, like we have no idea what the hell he's doing. No idea. I I think um, I think Super Eight is Universal. I, I, oh yes, it was. Yeah, because I remember seeing Amblin Entertainment on it. Yeah, Amblin and then uh, Bad Robot. So yeah, definitely. You know, I'm sure Steven Spielberg. I think uh, executive produced that movie. Yeah, they both did. Um, um, but yeah, I just I I just be really curious to see what he does next. I hope it is an original feature, and I hope it's something. I hope it's you know it'd be really good if it's not anything sci-fi or fantasy like, like just yeah. something that like go if he can write something as like something that tugs on you like regarding Henry does, then 
do that because yeah, I will go absolutely. see that. Absolutely, I I love that movie, and I love Forever Young. I love both those movies. I think they're really strong. Um, yeah. They do have like, I mean, of, of course, regarding Henry doesn't have a supernatural thing to it, like like Forever Young does, but they're both really like that good feeling, you know, type movies um, where there's like, you know, this some sort of flaw. And, so, you know, you think about this for a second. You're over. you're in college. You haven't graduated college yet, right? And you get yeah. word you get word that Harrison Ford, Han Solo himself, is going to be Henry in your movie that you just wrote and sold. It's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, and then if Harrison, still in college. And then if someone, if someone, told he's in the him movie. Did you know he's be, in the movie? J.J. Abrams is. Yeah, he's in the movie. Oh shit! I'll have to go back it's, and watch that movie. It's he's, been years. He he comes. He's the one who rings the doorbell after Henry has his accident. I think he's either the oh. pizza guy or the doorman. Um, but he comes oh. up to the he comes up to the uh, the apartment or house or whatever. Uh huh. It's him at the door. Oh no way! That's too funny. Yeah, so he actually got to interact with Harrison Ford too. Oh, just I mean, can you imagine? Like years later, he directs Harrison Ford as Han Solo in Star Wars. It's that's that is just like talk about come for full circle, man. That's yeah, just, I don't even that's know what insane. the equivalent of that would be for me. I dude, I don't, I don't like know. right now. If that happened right now, and I sold the screenplay like right now. Who the hell would be that person for me? I'll I'll be directing like Luke's like Mark Hamill in a Star Wars. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what would be equivalent. I have no clue, man. That's just that's just the stratosphere to say that you directed a Star Wars movie. That's like saying you won, you know, back to back Super Bowls. It just doesn't happen very often. You know, it's something. Yeah, really- no clue spectacular it's got to be something spectacular actually you know what that would be the equivalent like being able to direct a star wars movie would be like if you got drafted in the nfl your first year you go to the super bowl and win it (laughs) (laughs) like a total kurt warner situation Uh, Um, well kurt warner wasn't a rookie but um he wasn't but he was a he was a grocery bagger yeah he was (laughs) um uh getting back to jj what um he didn't direct Cloverfield, but no, Cloverfield Lane is coming out, and some of the reviews coming in are saying that it's it's pretty good. Yeah, which uh, which um, I'm happy about because do you remember? So I'm just going back a little bit. You remember? I think I was watching Transformers. Um, okay. Yeah, big piece of shit, and and I could tell you why Transformers was an even bigger piece of shit than what I've normally been talking about is because they showed a trailer for Cloverfield before that movie. And the whole time I'm watching Transformers, I kept thinking about that Statue of Liberty head rolling on the ground in, in New York right. City. I, it did not leave my head through the entire movie of Transformers. That's how you know you watched a really shitty movie you couldn't stop <laughs> thinking about a fucking trailer throughout the whole movie. Um, but that – and they didn't even – back then, they didn't even say what the movie was called. It just showed this group of kids right. at a party and then an yeah, explosion an awesome and, and then the fucking head. And then it ended and you're like, what the fuck is this? You know, it was just a date. And I was like, okay, what is this? Wasn't that the first and, big budget handheld camera movie? Yes. It was a found footage movie. Yeah. Which, it, was, it was the first which honestly, big I think, budget one. It was the first big budget one, but even so, the budget's pretty low compared to most movies. But I think I think it was um, uh, 
what was that movie that came out in 1999? The, the, Found Witch. the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Right. That kind of like kicked that off. That was a really cheap movie too. But um, this movie, you're right. I think before Chronicle even um, came out, it, it was the biggest budget found footage movie. And it was done like I, I watched it recently and like it's still – I kept trying to see that how they edited it and stuff. And they did a really very clever edit jobs in that movie. Um, there were times where the, the film would stop and then it would restart and it would show a different piece of footage and stuff like that. And um, cause they, cause the guy recorded over some old footage or something like that. So it did, it did some really interesting editing choices in that movie um, that I kind of dug, but I think Cloverfield came from like, wasn't he like in Japan and, and like he just maybe torn around doing some other movie. I don't remember. And he started thinking about Godzilla, you know, tearing up the city. And I think he, that's when he kind of came up with the concept. I didn't think it was his story. What's that? I didn't think it was his story. I don't think it was his story either, but I think it was his idea. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he wrote it, but he probably pitched it. I imagine now I'm going to have to go like do some fact finding, <laughs> but I thought, I thought it came from him where he was talking about how he loved old monster movies like Godzilla. And I think they created something based on that, but fast forward to now and they're calling this thing 10 Cloverfield lane and they're doing the same kind of thing they did with Cloverfield where it's just masked in mystery. Like that trailer came out of nowhere, like a month ago. Yeah, it definitely and, came out of nowhere. I've never – of a movie like this, um, I've never – and the way they, they did it too, it was like – it was a callback to the first Cloverfield where it yes. was a found footage – or not a found footage, but it released footage of a real trailer. But they purposely did yes. it that way. It, it, it was, I mean, pretty awesome because it's got a lot of people talking about it now, going right. like, what is this? And, and then people thinking, well, is it – part of the is it the same monster movie the same monster or is it just a cloverfield is just a string of movies that have like these type of alien or supernatural or sci-fi elements you know so it it probably has nothing to do with cloverfield as far as like a big monster movie but it might have like some sort of like um I don't even know what the equivalent of that is. Like the, I guess well, the Edgar Wright movies, like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and and uh, um, at World's End, but there they're all anything, the same. There wasn't anything significant in this movie that was going on with the characters, like the the sub, where the you know this like for for Super Eight and and Shaun of the Dead, there was a there was an actual plot going on while yeah. the shit was going on behind them. Like it, that's and, true. And, that's true. In yeah. front of the day, it was him trying to, you know, be a man or be a grown up for once and take responsibility. And then the other, this other one is about this boy dealing with, you know, the loss of his mom, trying to get through or try to do something with, you know, or try to get along with his dad. And then meets this girl who directly has some ties to his mom's death. Like there's a there was a story there. I can't yeah. remember if there was a story anything like that in Cloverfield. No, like basically, it's the guys know. going away party, and then all of a sudden, shit hits the fan, and it's them trying to survive. So it it ends up being like a survivor movie, and that's the problem with monster movies, right? Is that you don't care about the human characters. Oh well, he did. Um, I think part of Cloverfield is that he. Um, well, the movie turns it goes from survival to I need to get my girlfriend. I need to go get her. 
because like she's trapped, you know. Right. And so they go they they go and get her, and then it turns into a survival movie again, which you know that element of it kind of pissed me off too. They got in the helicopter and they're like clearly gonna escape, and then for whatever reason the monster jumps up and whacks them, and I'm like. Why the hell do they fly so – why are they circling this monster? Why don't they take off? You know, like I was – I got so mad. I'm like, what a stupid story point. Like let's look down there and see what it's doing. And it like jumps up and swats him. And that's how the movie kind of ends, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, this – the Cloverfield Lane movie just looks really bizarre. And I – you know, the, at the first trailer that they showed was just the music playing and the three people underground. And then – you know, them opening the door and then it's like, you know, that's the end of it. And I, and I kept thinking, well, like, is this a family unit or whatever? And then the second trailer kind of confirms that they're not a family at all. In fact, all three of them are not related at all. No. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think it came out tonight, actually. Um, as we're speaking, it's out right now. And um, I'll try to catch that pretty soon so we can talk about it. But. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really like JJ's, uh, career is very, just very curious to me. It's, it's, it's interesting compared to some of the other people out there. Um, it would probably and, and be has, like, it would probably be like Mike, that, that, that would be a career that I would like, that I would like, but I, at the same time, I, I think it would bother me too. Like, just imagine like you get to play in the Star Wars universe, right? But yeah. people can't stop calling you the 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 sequel king or whatever they call him, right? You know, like even though you've sequel done fixer, like, like yeah, even though you've done like this amazing job with Star Trek revise, uh, revitalizing that one, and then you of course not only revitalize Star Wars, but you just basically destroy almost every single box office record doing it, um, and at the same time, people the 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 biggest problem with that people have with you is that they say you can't come up with a, a, a good original idea or, or right. one as good as the ones that you fix that you, you know, that you're just taking somebody else's right. uh, story and character. I guess you'd have to just hunker. I, I think what happens is you get to juggling way too many balls in the air. Like he, I think he right now has so many TV shows on, on the air right now. And well, I think, I think he's going to be come. producing the star Wars movies too. Oh, is he? Oh yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I I read somewhere that he was um, pretty upset that he doesn't get to direct episode eight now. Like he's like, dang it. Yeah, he read the script and he said he wanted to do it. Yeah, I hear it's like really out there too. So we're going to get a totally different Star Wars movie this time around. But yeah, curious about it. Oh, speaking of which, something. uh, This is totally off topic a little bit, but um, I read something something today about you know I know they've been wanting to reboot the Tomb Raider. um, Right series again you know who they're trying to get for that uh this uh daisy ridley yeah yeah which it's kind of an interesting choice right yeah uh, it is in 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 my mind it's an interesting choice just because of the character itself and how the character looks yeah um, well she is uh she's she's british right daisy ridley or she right but there's a reason why angelina jolie got that role and well yeah because her figure looked just like tomb raiders but i've been reading about how they're trying to um not give her that kind of figure in the games well, even they give anymore. it no they they have it in the game too i mean she's not wearing shorts in the game but but she's like they drew her like 
you know, hourglass and well, not hourglass, but you know, really fit with a big chest. I haven't like, played the I haven't played the new ones yet. I played I heard the, the new I ones are pretty the, good. Uh, I played the the reboot, not the reboot. I, I guess it is a reboot. It's a Definitive prequel, collection. actually. Okay. The, the it was a prequel to to all the other Tomb Raiders. They're retelling oh, okay. the whole thing, which is they basically did what the movies do. It's just yeah. reboot it from the beginning, and so you you never got that before. Um, That's interesting. Well, there's been like it this good, weird. Though. It was there's good, like though. this. I played it. I, I heard it was good. I heard that um, th- there's like the definitive, like the Rise of the Tomb Raider, or, or uh, yeah, there's the another definitive... one. There's another one yeah. out right now that I haven't played yet, but the the reboot was really good. I really okay. liked it. I might I might have to, to check it out because I I dig those kind of games. Like I love the Uncharted games, and, and yeah, the fourth yes. Uncharted looks amazing. Yeah, this is like I mean, Lara um, Croft was Uncharted before it was Uncharted. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, I'll have to check that out, but um. Yeah, I mean, some of the people online, um, fucking people online, are just like, you know, really, a lot of them are really excited about that casting choice. But then there's a lot of people online going, her body doesn't look anything like <laughs> right. Tomb Raider's body. And I was like, oh, really? Like, we're going to start that crap, you know? Well, I mean, that's, that, I mean that's, that's one of the reasons why that character in the, in the, in the video games was so popular. I mean, she was the stick figure. Um, Busty, but, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we did a whole episode about diversity. We could do a whole episode about, <laughs> you know, inequality or, you know, uh, sexism and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I I applaud him. I mean, if they hire her for that role, so I'll go watch it. You know, I'm sure that today's Tomb Raider will be way better than the piece of shit that they put out a few years ago. I would so, hope so. But you never know. Unless unless Fox pulls a Fantastic Four, then it, you know third time around it sucks again. Then whatever, yeah. you know, just don't give it to Michael Bay or no you know, have have some really good choice. Get a really good female director. There's a lot out there that could probably make something pretty interesting. Um, Basically, you but, should get uh, somebody who loves Indiana Jones. Yeah, totally. And do that totally. Well, one of the problems I have with the first was either the first or second one. Which one had Daniel Craig in it? Uh, it whichever one, one had. Okay, he kept saying the word Tomb Raider in it like two or three, four times. What are you, some kind of Tomb Raider? I mean, I was like, uh, oh, you got to be kidding me! Like, please, <laughs> why are you saying? It was like the the most ridiculous, you know, lines in the you know in the movie by saying stuff like that. Um, almost made me cringe just as much as. Uh, um, the guy, what's that name? Cillian Murphy, who played Scarecrow. You know, the one thing in Batman Begins that drives me absolutely crazy is when he goes, oh, it's the Batman. You know, it was totally like the worst acting ever. <laughs> um, You know what I'm talking about. It, yeah, like, I know, but I thought you were going to go with a different Batman where everything that Arnold Schwarzenegger says in Batman and Robin is a pun. He, I, he didn't even say the coolest pun that Dr. Freeze says, you know, which is, you know, they go freeze and he's all, that's Dr. Freeze to you, you know, or something like that. It was a really cool line in the Batman animated series. Yeah. Um, well, the animated series has the, the definitive Mr. Freeze in it. That, that episode and, and was Emmy. It, it, that, yeah. And I think that was the first episode that they aired. Um, mm, I don't know and, if it was. I'm pretty sure it is, and it's fucking great because that character was, I think, completely made up in the 1966 Batman 
and a TV series. And, and he looked really kooky in that show. Yeah. But the what they did with them in the animated series I think was they gave him a backstory. Phenomenal. There was never a backstory, and they gave him a backstory. Yeah, and it was awesome. You know, and when they tried to do it in the Batman and Robin movie, it just yeah, I'm stupid. Everything in that movie is terrible. It's terrible. But uh, I didn't anyway, hate the credits. Well, I'm just you know going back to JJ. I enjoy his stuff. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of his stuff. I just hope that, like you said, he gets more goes back to the more personal stuff because I think yeah, that stuff get away is really, from the really sci-fi strong. and the fantasy stuff. You know, go back to the regarding Henrys and things like that like tell tell a story like that yeah tell some you know more intimate stories again and i don't even mind the supernatural you know like the actually i don't say forever young was supernatural but because i think that was about a guy that was frozen in a, in a you know machine right. waiting for his waiting for his girl to get out of a coma or something like that so um but even like if it has a twist like that um i'm totally down for it but i but yeah we're, we're due for another um regarding Henry's situation, you know, we're due for a, you know, a neat little personal story that that's, you know, like a drama, but feel good. And, you know, has some funny moments in it and stuff like that. I, I did. I really like that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, he's already cracked the code with mission impossible and star Wars and all that shit. It's like time to go back to yeah. your roots. So that's lucky number 13. All finished up. Lucky number 13. Uh, that's, uh, that's a wrap, man. It's episode 13 of Chew on This, a Nerds United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. Until next time. Later. Peace. Peace.